Welcome to another inspirational teaching from Faith Family Church by Senior Pastor Mike DeBenke. For more information about our ministry, visit us on the web at myffc.tv. Thank you very much. Um, you guys sit down. I don't know. You don't have to stand up. But uh, thank you, Pastor Eric. Great job with the announcements. So we all doing well? And the, re- the, the reason behind the Christmas Eve, you know, we love to do an evening service on Christmas Eve. We do candlelight service. Uh, is we don't want to take that much of your day, the morning and the evening. It doesn't leave a lot of time in the middle. So we're going to have our Christmas Eve service on Sunday morning. And we'll have singing with the kids and all that kind of stuff. So plan to be here. It's uh, time for the family to get together, church family, and uh, to worship the coming of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. So we've got a lot of things to cover today. So I just want to first jump into prayer. I want to welcome everybody watching us online. Uh, We love you. You're part of the family. And the Bible says there's no distance in the spirit. So we're connected. And uh, you're part of everything we're doing here. Let's go before the Lord. Father, we thank you that today is the day that you have made, and we choose to rejoice and be glad in it. Father, we're not going to let the weight of this world, we're not going to let the anxiety that's trying to press in, we're not going to let the worries that this, this season might bring get a hold of us, because we know, and we declare today, our Prince of Peace has come. And we thank you for that. We pray for everyone who's going through any symptoms, any of the the things that are going around, we pray. You said you sent your word and healed them. And Father, we declare healing for your family today, right now, in Jesus' name. And we thank you for that. We give you glory. I ask you to use my mind and my mouth to only through your supernatural power, you're able to use those things to convey your message to the ears that have been prepared and the heart that is ready for your word today. We ask this, we believe we receive it. We give you glory for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise God. I want to thank everybody that's still doing the decorating touches. You guys are doing a fantastic job. And uh, that's a lot of work, you guys. So you you need to let them know you appreciate it. We've um, entered the Christmas season officially. Thanksgiving gets just a sliver. You know, October is, you know, all that stuff. And then you get Thanksgiving and then Christmas takes over. And with Christmas, uh, according to statistics, anxiety... Highest, highest time of the year for anxiety is during Christmas season. Depression. More people are depressed during the Christmas season. Uh, suicides are up during the Christmas. It's, it's a sad thing that celebrating the birth of our Savior and it becomes a time for people to be overwhelmed and, and to be just consumed by depression and anxiety and the cares of this life. And it, it, it steals the joy and sometimes even gets to the point where it steals their life. And it's our job to let our light shine during this time and let people know, no, 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 you don't have to go through that. You don't have to be alone. The Prince of Peace has already come. And he wants to be your Prince of Peace. He wants to be your Savior. He wants to be your everything that you need. And if we don't let the world know, they may never see him. Because when Jesus went to heaven, he looked to the disciples, the followers of Christ, and he said, Now you go in my name. 
let people know. And he's saying to every one of us, just as real, just as demonstrative, now you, you, and you, and you, and you, 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 go in my name. Let your light shine. The world needs to know about Jesus, and we are the ones to deliver the message. Amen? So today we're going to look at um, a time in the Bible where people were stressed, they were depressed, they had a lot of anxiety, um, their leader was portraying a, 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 a reverence to God, but his heart was far from him. He, he was, you know, drifting away from God and his way of doing things. And, and the people were stressed, like, what's going to happen? They were at the brink of war. It's kind of like reading the paper, really, if you think about it. You know, it's exactly what we're facing today, but yet there's scripture in the Bible that we can now relate to, to, to draw from and to be strengthened in a time which could be kind of scary right now. We've got North Korea threatening us with nuclear war. We've got China threatening us. We've got Russia threatening us. We've got, <laughs> we've got Iran threatening us. All of these rumors of war, which are part of the last days, the end days of this age, is what the Bible says in, in Bible prophecy. It's nothing that God is surprised by. It's nothing that God's saying, oh my gosh, I didn't see that coming. <clears throat> he not only saw it coming, but he prepared his word to give us peace in the midst of that. To let us look to him instead of look at all the struggles and the problems. And I don't know if I'm going to have any money to buy presents. You know, everything costs so much more money and, and my job might not be there after the first of the year. All these things. God say, no, 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 no. Look at me. Look at me. Don't look at the problem. Don't look at the circumstance. Don't look at the situation. Look at me. And he'll get you through. And we're going to look at a group of people in the Bible who were going through that very thing. And they were going through a lot of the stuff that we do right now. They were distressed. They are at the brink of war. We're at the brink of war. Their king, well, I don't want to say anything about our leader. But anyway, um, it seems like all of our leaders tend to be turning away from God and not focusing and embracing the, the values and the truth of God's word. That's fair to say, right? So we can relate to these people they had got to the place where they lost their peace. Everything seemed fine, but then peace is gone. And it may not even be all of that stuff. It may not be the external things that are causing us to lose our peace. There's times in life where you could be going along without a care in the world, thinking everything's good, and then you get blindsided by a situation that you weren't expecting. Maybe news from a, a loved one who, who has been hurt, injured, or, or passed away. Maybe you get a diagnosis from the doctor that was uh, not a good diagnosis and can seem overwhelming. Uh, maybe a relationship that you're, you thought would be there forever is now broken or severed and doesn't look like it's going to be able to be restored. Uh, all the things that cause us care and cause us distress and can bring anxiety to us, um, they happen all around, either out there or even in here. And right now, our, our country is in a, a, a crisis of eternal security. So many people had drifted from God, and their security was in the government because everything was going so well, and, and they take care of us, and they, they provide for us, and they're going to keep us safe, and they're going to do that. And now that is kind of waning also. 
And, and now they're wondering about, I don't know where to turn. I don't know, is God real? Is he not real? Is he for me? Is he against me? Who do I believe? And this is causing people anxiety and stress on the inside, on the outside. And when you don't know that God's for real, you have to first believe that he is, and then he's a rewarder of those who seek him before you can have eternal peace. So we're, we're, we're stressing out with, we're struggling with internal peace. We're stressing out and struggling with external This is somebody new, but it opened it up to say, thank you, I would really appreciate that. And she was able to show her that her light is shining for Jesus because she believes enough in God to pray for him when situations need to be addressed supernaturally, beyond our capacity. Amen? So, and you say, well, you know, I, Pastor Mike, is it really real? Well, somebody came in today, woke up with a terrible headache. Their head was hurting. They came in there, man, I got such a headache today. So me and John, we're believers. The Bible says believers lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. We immediately laid our hands on her, and, and Tony did too. We prayed for her, and by the time they said, hey, say hi to your neighbor, she came up to me. She goes, my headache's completely gone. That's God showing up. That's the Prince of Peace showing up. Amen? That's not a coincidence. That's not, you know, I didn't say, hey, will you do this so I can use it in my sermon? No, that's what happened. And it happened for you if, you if you focus on and pursue a relationship with God, a personal one, not a religious one. King Ahaz is the one that, that, that we're talking about as a leader. We're going to be going to Isaiah chapter 9. And, and King Ahaz was, uh, he was a king that was, he was, he was just drifting away from God. God wasn't as important. He still went through the religious motions and stuff, but his heart had begun to be far from God. And now two other kings were going to come and make war against them, and they were outnumbered. They were, they were stressing this thing. The people were worried, and, and, and you know, the, the people were crying out, God, where are you? Are, are you for me? Are you, do you see what I'm going through? Do you understand what's happening in my life? Sound familiar? Anybody ever felt that way? You know, you, you kind of, you know, God, and, and, and God shows up through the prophet, the prophet Isaiah, and he gives this messianic prophecy that not only lets him know that I'm with you, I see what you're going through, I got you, but also beyond that, that there's a new king coming that's going to be a king after God's heart, who's going to do good in the sight of God, and that was encouraged them, their future was going to be taken care of, and also there was a... a, a a, a king of kings and a, and a lord of lords coming that was going to be the solution to mankind's problem of being separated from God and being destined to, to an eternal eternity without God. And this prophetic word came forth from Isaiah, and he shared it, and I want to share it with you today. Isaiah chapter 9, verse 27. You guys ready? Listen to the wording here. The people who walked in darkness. You know, that's every one of us at one time in our life or not have seen a great light, those who dwelt in the land of the shadow of death. Upon them a light has shined. You have multiplied the nation and increased its joy. They rejoice before you according to the joy of harvest. As men rejoice when they divide the spoils, for you have broken the yoke of this burden and the staff of his shoulder, the rod of his oppressor, as in the day of Midian. If you remember the story when the... Uh, the uh, Gideon and his men stood up against the Midianites where there were so many of them they couldn't even be numbered. And, Midian, and uh, Gideon had just a handful of men and God showed up. 
For every warrior's sandal from the noisy battle and the garments rolled in blood will be used for burning and fuel of the fire. Verse 6. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. The government will be upon his shoulder, and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace there will be no end. Thank you, Jesus. Upon the throne of David and over his kingdom to order it and establish it with judgment and justice for that time forward, even forever, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. This is a prophetic word. This is, this is hundreds of years before the birth of Christ, but God is speaking through his prophet to bring comfort to those who are distressed, those who are anxious, and those who are in fear. And he speaks through the prophet, and the word that he, he uses here with the Prince of Peace, it is star shalom, and, and that means literally, it, that's, that's alliteration of it where they use the word prince, and actually a, a better um, word would have been more because it carries with it the, the note of authority, the note of a military commander. And sometimes a prince, you think of Prince Charming, he's not all that intimidating for the enemy and stuff, right? But actually the, the word shalom here, sar shalom, is someone who has the authority and power to bring peace. Now, this word shalom is a, is a very powerful word. It, it means um, to the original intent. It means nothing broken, nothing missing. It has prosperity in the meaning. If you look it up in the Hebrew dictionary, it has wholeness, soundness. Um, the Greek word that goes with that is soteria, which, which means completeness, uh, nothing, nothing broken. You're not missing anything. You're not stressed out. You're not sick, you're not diseased, you're not broken, you have soundness of mind, you, you're not stressed out all the time. Shalom means all of that, and it comes from this commander, if you will, this governor of peace, and it's describing who this person will be, and the fact that God is sending him because he hears their cries, he knows what they're going through, and he's addressing it. And one of the biggest struggles for believers today is they wonder if God even knows what they're facing. Does God even know what's going on either on the inside of me, the outside of me, or does God even know my name so I'm taken care of eternally? And this is to address this, and it's for them, but it's also for us today. Amen? He goes on, and he, <clears throat> he, 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 he um, also prophesied about this coming Savior, in Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14, it says this, Therefore the Lord himself, who gives you a sign, this is coming straight from God, now it says, behold. Now this word behold is a very powerful word. It literally has the connotation of, hey you, look at this, pay attention. Hey, don't miss this. It's not just, oh, behold, you know. Matter of fact, a lot of the translations don't even use the word behold. But that word is used over a thousand times in the Bible. And it's to, hey, don't be distracted. Don't look away. Focus on this. It's like when your kid is trying to show you something they did, like maybe they, they made something or they painted something when they're little, and they walk up and maybe you're watching the game, and all of a sudden you got those two little hands that go, hey, daddy, look at this. 
God is kind of grabbing our face, if you will, and saying, don't worry about all that other stuff. Look at this. Behold, focus on this. Behold, don't be distracted from this. Okay? That's what that word means. You can read over and not realize that, but if you get into the actual Hebrew meaning of that word, it means, hey, look at this. Don't let anything else take your attention from this. How many know there's a lot of things pulling for our attention? I mean, all the time, there's news, there's bad news, there's worse news, <laughs> there's terrible news, and it's all pulling our attention. All the things on social media and all the things that people say that aren't nice and all the garbage with the political mess and all the garbage with the, 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 the nations in the world, oh, everybody's ready to fight and destroy each other. All this stuff, and God's saying, hey, you, look at me. Focus on this. This is what's important. So you guys get that, right? Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. Emmanuel is an amazing name because Emmanuel means God with us. So what that's telling us is, behold, look at this. Don't get distracted. God with us. We're not alone anymore. We're not on our own anymore. But now, because of what Jesus did, because the virgin did conceive, she gave birth 2,000 years ago. He lived the life he was supposed to. He completed the task he came to complete. He died the death of a sinner for you and I. And now, because of what was finished and accomplished on the cross, he now makes his abode in our hearts. God with us. So no matter what you're facing, no matter what's coming at you, no matter what you're challenged with, God with you. He's with you. And there's nothing bigger and badder or scarier than God defending his kids. Whatever the world offers, whatever diagnosis you may get or whatever problem is looming on the horizon, you and God can beat it. You can get over it. Or sometimes God strengthens you, gets you to, hey, behold, focus on him, and he'll walk you through that storm so other people can find their way out of a storm. See, God doesn't guarantee to take every storm out of our life. He just guarantees to be there with us, God with us, and to get us through those storms. Amen? You guys with me? And he shall be called Emmanuel. That, that is just incredible. Behold is such a powerful word, because, you know, God himself was the first one to ever use that word. In all of creation, God was the first one to use the word behold. In Genesis 1.29, it says this. It says, I think I wrote it down. It says, behold, I give you every plant yielding seed. This is on the face of the earth and every tree with seed in, it, in its fruit. Excuse me. You shall have them for food. This word behold means you have what you need. You have what will get you through. Behold. Remember when God, when Moses was, was talking to God and Moses said, uh, you know, he, God says, go tell him, you know, what I said and stuff. And Moses just asked a perfectly normal question. He goes, who do I tell him sent me? Who do I tell him you are? And God said, tell them I am. And most of us think, well, what in the world does I am mean? God said, I am whatever you need. 
I am the one to get you through. I am the one to put you over. I am the one to save you from destruction. I am the one to redeem you and to put you back in the original state. Shalom, back to the original plan. The Garden of Eden was God's original plan. He wanted to walk with man in the cool of the day. He did walk with Adam in the cool of the day in the garden, and that's what he wanted to do. We were created for close fellowship with God, but then sin entered in. Remember Adam and Eve? They're going through a garden that was prepared. It was a paradise. It had everything they would ever need. But the devil got them to focus on lack instead of the provision God had made. The Bible says that the tree of knowledge of good and evil was in the center of the garden. That means they had to walk past all the other trees, all the, the banana trees, coconut trees, uh, every tree that would, you would need. They walked by all the provision of God, everything they would ever need, and the devil got them to focus instead of behold on God who created and met them in the garden. He got their focus off. They no longer were beholding God. Now they were looking at what they didn't have, and it created an appetite on the inside of them, so much so they could be deceived enough to believe that God who created paradise for them was actually holding back from them something that they would desire. It was a lie. The devil always lies to us. When he says he can destroy you, it's a lie. God says he will hold you in his very hand. He will keep you safe. Under the wings of the Almighty, we have safety and protection. But if we focus on what the devil's saying, we focus on the lies of the enemy, the lies of the situation and the circumstance, we will forget to behold God Almighty and everything he's done and has for us. Does that make sense? We have to remember, and it's our choice what we focus on. God's not really going to grab your face. He'll just let you know he's there. You have to choose to focus on him. Make sense? And as we see this and we realize that it's important what I look at, it's important what I listen to. The Bible says take heed what you hear. Why? Because you have to deal with what you let in. If you listen to the garbage all the time, you have to deal with it. That's why the Bible says take heed, be cautious. Say, well, I don't want to hear that. If you turn on something on the TV and you know this is not part of God's plan for you, this is lies, it's distractions, it's the devil telling you what you don't have, you need to say, no, nah, I'm going to listen to that. I'm going to go ahead and focus back. I'm going to behold God and all he is to me, not what the world has lied to me about. Amen? And we can, we can find ourselves in distress externally look what they have they have a better life pastor eric has all those sneakers i only go i only got one pair of sneakers i don't have god loves him he must not love me look at that couple over there they look happy i got the old ball and chain with me you know life sentence over here you know, we, we look at what we don't have instead of looking at what God has made available to us to make where you are better. He wants to come in and make it better. He doesn't want to come in and just say, oh, you know, like uh, what's her name said, life's tough, wear a helmet. No, he comes in and says, I'll make it better. I'll make it better. He wants to make your life better. But you've got to focus on him. Does that make sense? So we gotta, we got to know that when we're stressed internally about what's, what we're feeling, the emotions we have, the anxiety we're dealing with, internally God says, no, no, behold me, I want to make it better. 
If things are crazy around you, God says, don't look at those things. Look at me. I want to make it better. If you're curious about where you're going to spend eternity, is heaven real? Is there really a God? Did he really send his son? The answer is yes, and he wants to introduce himself to you, and you'll have a chance for that at the end of the service. And it's not about you being good enough. It's not about you being right enough. It's not about you paying enough money. It's about you letting a father love his child and opening your heart and let him in. That's what it's about. And he will make everything better. In the prophetic words, Jesus, and even Jesus himself spoke in, in Revelation, he says, I make all things new. Whatever you're dealing with, Jesus says, I want to make it new. I want to bring it back to the original design. I want to bring you back to what you were intended for to start with, not what you've fallen to because the world and the sin that's in the world. I want to raise you back up. I want to bring you back to where you were intended to be. Does that make sense? So we've got all these things. We've got peace on the outside, peace on the inside. We need to know, we need to be assured that we have a commander of peace. We have a general of peace. That's somebody who has the power and authority to bring peace to any situation in our lives. We need to be assured of that. We need to know that. Look at Philippians chapter 4, verse 6 with me. Be anxious for nothing. Wow. Let's just take this for what it says. Be anxious for nothing. That means we don't get to have the excuse, yeah, but you don't understand. Yeah, but you don't know what I'm feeling. Yeah, but you don't know what I'm going through. It says be anxious for nothing. How can we be anxious for nothing? Stop looking at that and behold the one who's able to fix everything. Be anxious for nothing. But in everything, not for everything, but in everything, in every situation, every stressful situation, every anxious situation, every heartbreaking situation, in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. How many of your little people taught you that if you're talking to somebody, you should look at them? It's called respect, right? What this scripture is saying, that no matter what you're going through, behold, look at God, focus back on him. Talk to him about what you're going through. God, I'm stressing. God, this is too much. I need help. God, I feel overwhelmed. God, I feel depressed. I feel like I don't matter. God, my heart is broken. Jesus came to heal the broken heart. Focus on him. Behold everything that God with you brings. Amen? And look what it says. Make your requests with thanksgiving. That means we pray in faith. We don't say, oh, I hope God's going to show up. Man, my back still hurts. I wonder if that healing's going to work. That's not faith. Faith calls those things as not as though they are. It doesn't call those things that are as though they're not. Don't walk up and say, my back doesn't hurt anymore when it's really hurting. That's lying. You don't have to lie to make God look good. What you do is you deny that pain a right to stay on a bought and paid for body by the Son of Jesus Christ. The, body, the Bible says, I was bought I was paid for by the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. So when my back hurts, I command it to be healed. I don't go around talking about, well, it still hurts. I feel, oh, I feel a little bit. Yeah, it's still, oh, it's there. I, you know what I do? I say, no, no, that pain doesn't have a right to stay. I don't say it's not there. I say it can't stay there because he sent his word and healed them. The Bible says, by Jesus' stripes, you were healed. If you were, then you are. 
So grab a hold of it with your faith and bring it into your reality. Does that make sense? Bring it into your situation. With thanksgiving means you're thanking God that he's doing what you've asked for, what you've brought to him through prayer and supplication. That's faith. And you make it known to God. Then look what it says. And the peace of God. That's a Greek word here for the same word shalom. It's uh, irini. I'm not a Greek scholar. But it literally means that you're at peace. You're, you're, you're whole. You, and it, it even gives the, the imagery of you're connected to, remember God with us, that gives the imagery of peace with God is you're connected to him. You're a peace of what he's doing. Your peace comes because you're a piece of him because you've now been joined together with him. He now lives on the inside of you. So as we do this, the peace of God will what? It will guard. It will stand guard over our hearts and our minds. Sounds like a series we just did recently. It enables us to capture the thoughts that are trying to distract us from beholding him and his promises. It enables us to grab them, to capture them, and to bring them to the obedience of Christ, which is what? No, Christ paid for this. No, I'm, I'm born again. I, I'm, I have a right to my healing. I have a right to peace in my heart. I have a right to have enough for me and my family, even so much that God's going to bless me to be a blessing to somebody else. I have a right for this because I'm beholding him and I'm not looking at the problem. I'm looking at the answer. Does that make sense? That's what having a Prince of Peace is all about. That's what it means. The peace of God surpasses our understanding. You can look at the situation, you can say, I don't see any way this is going to work out. Behold, the God that can do all things. Behold, the God who can change anything. He's omnipotent. He's all-powerful. He's all-loving of you. Behold, don't look at what seems impossible Look at the one who's beyond impossible. For all things are possible to him. Look at him. Behold your prince of peace, your commander of peace, the governor who has the authority and power to bring you surety and peace in an anxious and troubling world. Look to him. Amen? Surpasses our understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through what? Through Jesus. To beholding him, to identifying with him, focusing on him. It's interesting that the word here for anxious is the Greek word merimena or something like that. But this is what it means. The Greek word for anxious here means to be drawn in different directions or to be distracted from the truth of who God is to you and what he's provided for you. The anxiety that people stress about, it's what if. And God is saying, behold, look at me. Don't be distracted. Don't look away. Look at me. In your storm, in your time where you think there's nothing, this is so overwhelming. Look at me. You remember the story, I brought it up last week, but it applies to this week especially. Uh, The story of Jairus, it's in the book of Matthew. Jairus was an official in the synagogue. He was part of the ones who were trying to discredit and destroy Jesus. He worked for them. He's an official in the synagogue, but when he got news that his daughter was sick and to the point of death, the Bible says that when Jesus showed up, he came and he fell at his feet. Now, this man is suffering 
some real trouble, some real stress, some real anxiety. He's got anxiety on the inside because he's scared to death his daughter's going to die. Now he's got the stress of realizing his public official position is now in question because he now joined the enemy and went and fell and worshipped the one that those he supports and works with are trying to destroy. So his professional career may be over. He's dealing with so much stress. He's got so many problems. And he says, you know what, I don't care. My daughter, she might die. She went to him because he'd heard about Jesus. And he said, will you come? What did Jesus say? I'll come. They start walking. The Bible says so many people were pressing on Jesus from all sides. Get the picture. Like you see celebrities going through somewhere and all these people pushing in and stuff. So many, they were from all sides. And then some little lady pushed through the crowd, touched the hem of his garment as he's going to Jairus' house, and he stops. You know, if your daughter's dying, him stopping is not a good thing. Him stopping and turning around, that can be a real stressful situation. That can cause you to really, you know, be anxious about that. He stops and turns around. He starts talking to this woman. And because she touched the hem of his garment in faith, believing something would happen, the Bible says healing power went out of him. It doesn't say he stopped and pronounced the prayer and healed her like this. It said he's walking, she touched his garment, and he stopped because he felt that power go out because of her faith. And he turned around, and he said, who touched me? We just read where, and I, I've got the scripture. I don't know if I told you guys. You've got it up there, I think. But all these people were pressing and touching him, but one person touched him in faith. One person was focused on him and not their situation. She was hemorrhaging blood. She'd been bleeding for 12 years. She spent every dime she had and was no better. She was actually putting her life in jeopardy because she had this, this bleeding condition, which according to the law of the day, she was not allowed to be around anybody. And she's in this crowd that is a mob. And she's pushing through and she touches the hem of his garment in faith. And because she touched him in faith, this power goes out of him. He turns around, he spends some time talking to her and says, Daughter, your faith has made you whole. Your faith has caused you to be healed. Your faith in what? Beholding him. Looking to him and not the problem. She'd been looking at the problem for over 12 years and getting worse and worse. She finally decided to behold him, to look at him, to get focused on him. And she was healed the moment she touched the hem of his garment. While this is going on and Jesus is addressing this, People came from Jairus' house. They came up to him and they said, Yo, man, Jay, your daughter, she's dead. She didn't make it. I don't know about you, but I remember with my son when I was told by the doctor she's not going to live. It, it, can, it can knock the wind out of you. It can rock you. And at that very moment, while everybody's pressing and they're all seeing how she was healed in this big thing, Jesus still had his eyes on Jairus. He knows what you're facing. He knows what you're feeling. And he's got his eye on you to see if you're going to put your eye on him. Are you going to behold him? Because at that moment, when they told Jairus, your daughter's dead, why bother the teacher anymore? You know he's sunk on the inside, and Jesus looking at him said, Jairus, behold, look, focus, don't be distracted, don't be distracted, look. He got him to focus on him, he said, don't doubt, only believe. 
believe what? Believe what you believed enough to come and drop at my feet. Believe. Keep believing. Keep beholding. Keep focused on what you came to get. Keep expecting what you came to get. They got up. They went to Jairus' house. Everybody there is mourning and crying. Jesus walked in. He says, why are you guys crying? She's, she's just sleeping. They knew she was physically dead. So they started like just throwing a fit about him. And Jesus literally, this is the commander of peace, the one who has authority and power. He said, all right, you, 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 and you, you, out. My disciples, mom and dad, let's go. He took control of the situation. Jairus led him. It was Jairus' house. He's the one that allowed him to do this. And they walked in. And he said, in Aramaic, Talithia something, which literally means, daughter, get up. And she sat up. She was stone cold dead. But when the commander of peace comes and says, get up, you get up. She got up, and he said, she's hungry, give her something to eat. Jairus decided to behold, to focus, to not be distracted, to not let the cares of the situation, the circumstances around him, to distract him from keeping his eye on who Jesus is. In the world today, we need to learn this. We need to train ourselves to stop chasing every rabbit hole with a problem to wonder what it might grow into and focus back on God and what is his promise to you. Is it a real relationship where you're focused on him or are you just walking through the religious responsibilities? Oh, I go to church. Are you really seeking and drawing close to him and focusing on him? Because that's what's going to bring the Prince of Peace into your life and the benefits of the commander of peace into your life. You guys getting this? It's, it's important that we understand this and we, we grab a hold of it. In Ephesians chapter 2, verse 19, I'm going to get ready to close. Now, therefore, you are no longer strangers. Now, we go back to that Greek word for, for peace, and it's, it's I still am not going to pronounce it right, but I got it. It's... Um, Irinini, or something like that. But it means joined together. God, it literally means Emmanuel. God now is with us. He's a part of us. He lives on the inside of us. And now because of this, therefore you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and the members of the household of God. Having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. We're built together now. We're connected together in whom the whole building being fitted together grows into a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you also are being built together for a dwelling place for God and the Spirit. I got more stories, I just don't have time. Remember the story when Jesus told the disciples, let's go to the other side, and he put him in a boat and he sent them out on the lake as a big lake and they're going across and the Bible says that a storm came up one of hurricane proportion which means the wind was really blowing the waves are breaking and, and entering into the boat and the Bible says that Jesus is in the back of the boat with his head on a pillow 
asleep. And says the disciples in the boat with him, going through this storm, started looking at the problems and the situation instead of saying, well, if he's sleeping, we might as well relax too. He's got his head on his pillow, chilling. But yet they're stressing and they're freaking out. They finally go and wake him up and they say, don't you care? Like some of us may say, don't you care what I'm going through? Don't you care what I'm facing? Don't you care what I'm feeling? She just gets up and he says, what is the deal, boys? Why do you have such little faith? Why, Really what he's saying is, why are you so distracted by circumstance when I'm standing in the midst or sitting in the midst with you? And he got up. The wind is blowing, the waves are crashing, and he speaks to the wind, and he speaks to the waves. And he says, peace, be still. And the wind ceased and the waves stopped. And that freaked him out even more. Like, oh my gosh, who is this that even the wind and the, the waves obey him? But he was showing them, focus on me. Nothing you face is stronger or bigger than me. Nothing that's trying to overtake you can get to you when you're beholding me. What do you focus on? In the midst of the storm, and we all have storms of life, do you get anxious? Do you get distracted and pulled in different directions? Or do you stop, regroup, and say, Father, I thank you. You're with me in this storm. I thank you that with you I can do all things. I thank you with you I'll get through this. That even though I have to maybe walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll do it because you're with me, and I get to go through it. I don't have to stay in it because you're with me. Your staff and your rod protect me because he's a commander of our peace. It's all about what you behold, what you focus on. Do you look at the situation, the promise, and talk about how bad it is? We're told in the Bible to speak to the mountain, and it will obey us. It will be plucked up from the root and cast into the sea. That means talk in faith about what God's promised you. But so many of us walk up to the situation, the mountain in our life, we say, man, that's a big mountain. That sucker's huge. Look at it. It covers everything. I don't know what we're going to do with a mountain that big. That ma- I, I can't get over that mountain. And we just start talking about how big the mountain is instead of stopping. Don't be distracted by the mountain. Focus, behold, on the God who said you can speak to it and it will be plucked up and cast into the sea because he lives on the inside of you. He wants to be there with you through everything you're going through. Our Prince of Peace has come. But are you staying focused on him? That's the question you have to ask yourself today. You know, another time on the water, it's funny how Jesus uses these times, another storm, the waves are crashing and stuff, and Jesus had sent him in the boat, and then he comes walking up on the water next to him. And I love it. I think he does it just for a kick, because it says they all, they scream like little girls, ah! <laughs> you know, it's a spirit. The waves and the storm's not bad enough, now we got a ghost out here. And Jesus says, don't be afraid, it's me. What's he saying? It's me. Stop looking at the storm and look at me. I'm here. Focus on me. Behold, me, standing here in the midst of your storm. Look at me. What did Peter say? If that's you, Jesus, if that's you, bid me come. Jesus didn't go into a dissertation. He didn't talk about how powerful he is. He didn't talk about what he could do. He said, come. Peter, a man, got out of the boat and stood on water. How many know that's impossible? 
But we have a God of the impossible. And the Bible says that Peter not only got out, stood on the water, he started walking towards Jesus. Now, I want you to know the storm's still going on. The wind's still blowing. The waves are still crashing. And Jesus is now, or Peter's now walking on the water, and he's beholding Jesus. He's looking right at him like this. And the Bible says when, G, when Peter starts noticing the wind and the waves, when he allows himself to get distracted, he sinks. And he cries out, help! The Bible says Jesus was, before he went underwater, Jesus was there, grabbed him by the hand, pulled him up. What did he say? Why so little faith? Pete, you got your eyes off me. If you, don't, if you focus on the storm and not on God, your faith will drain. And when you focus on God in the midst of your storm, you'll be able to stand on whatever you're, what's coming at you. You'll be able to walk on the water. The Bible says they both, Peter and Jesus, walked back to the boat. How do you know Peter kept his eyes on Jesus after he went and saved him? And it's not so much that we don't see God in the beginning of our trouble. But one distraction we face is while we're going through the answer of prayer that we prayed, we start getting distracted. He had enough faith to look at Jesus and to walk out on water to him. But after the answer to our prayer comes, some of us get distracted by the answer of our prayer. I'm walking on water. You guys aren't walking on water. Look at me. And then he gets distracted. And then he sinks. Because he let his eyes get pulled away from the one who empowered him to walk on the water. You can walk in the storms of life, but you need to keep your eyes on Jesus. Amen? Would you bow your heads and close your eyes, please? Heavenly Father, we just thank you for your word today. We thank you that you have sent your son. He has already come. 2,000 years ago, our Prince of Peace was born. And Father, we receive him, we acknowledge him, and Father, we behold him, we focus on him, and we look to him. In the midst of any storm, he's greater than. In the midst of any challenge, he can set us free from it. He can put us over, or he can get us through. You are the great I am, and we lift you up today, and we say thank you for sending your son to be our savior, to be our commander of peace, our our, our champion of peace. We thank you for that. With every head bowed and every eye closed, if you're here today, maybe you have never accepted Jesus. You've never allowed Emmanuel, God, to come and live with you, in you. You've never invited him into your heart. But today, you think, I think I would like that. I would like to have God on the inside of me. I would like to receive him. The way that we do that is we accept him as Lord and Savior. We invite him into our hearts. When we do that, we acknowledge that I can't do it on my own. I'm not, I'm not good enough. I'm not strong enough. I'm not big enough. But with God, I can do all things. So we ask him to come in. The Bible says when he comes in that we receive him. We receive a brand new spirit. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things become new. Our sin is washed clean. And we're back in right standing with God. We're back in fellowship. We're back pieced together with God. And if you want that today and you haven't done it before, but you want it today, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand. I'm not going to call you down. I'm not going to embarrass you. I just want to give you an opportunity for you to choose to get connected to God, to let him come in. And because of the finished work of Jesus Christ, bring you back into fellowship and relationship with a God who loves you. Anybody? I'm looking across the room. That's you. You're ready to receive that. I see your hand. I see your hand. Anybody else? You say, you know what? I want this. I need that peace. 
Maybe you're going through a storm and, and, and you're feeling overwhelmed and you're feeling anxious and you're, you know that you're getting distracted by everything that could happen. And, you, and right now you're saying, I want to behold God. I want to focus back on him. And you want us to pray in agreement with you. Is that you? Anybody here face now? I see you, 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 I see you. I see hands going up, I see you, I see hands all over the place. I see your hand. Anybody else? Anybody else? All right, let's say this prayer together as a family. First, for the ones who raise their hand. Father, we receive right now, we focus, we behold your son, our savior. We believe that as we accept him into our lives, we make room for him in our heart and we confess him with our mouth. That Father, today is the day of our salvation. And we thank you for that and we give you glory for that. We confess it with our mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord. And Father, those of us who know him, but we've allowed ourselves to be distracted, maybe overwhelmed or become anxious about life's situation, we thank you for the Prince of Peace manifesting in our lives right now. We thank you that we focus on him. We choose to behold him and all that he is to us. And Father, we have faith, confidence, and assurance that he will get us through, that we will be on the other side. We will not only have external peace, internal peace, but because of who he is to us now, we can know that we have eternal peace and we will always be with you forevermore we ask this believe we receive it in jesus name amen praise god thank you god is good patrick teaching. We hope you enjoyed it. To stay connected with our ministry, visit us on the web at myffc.tv or like us on Facebook.